I, uh, from, the min, uh, from the minute when Peace Like a River started this morning, I haven't had any moment of a dry eye. Um, but the reason why I've jumped up now is not because this is anything to do <coughs> with the word that I'm preaching. And normally before we get up and preach, we'll have time where we go over our notes uh, just towards the end of the worship, and I haven't done any of that because I was just too in love with him. Um, but the reason why I, I want to get up now is I, I feel to say to people that the tears are okay. That I believe when we're in a place like this, we hold back because we're embarrassed. We hold back because tears can look like we don't have it all together. We think that people are going to look at us, but I want you to know that from the moment when Peace Like a River started, boy, a river appeared on my face. And I have cried the whole way through the worship. But in my tears, they were a healing. And the tears are okay. And I believe there's some people in here, and you need to know that. I'm not on about just bawling all the time and wailing all the time. But what I'm saying is there is a time for tears. And in that moment when God is doing something in you and you know that there is something taking place and those tears are coming, don't fight them. Because in those tears is a healing and there is a breakthrough that, that's coming in this morning in the worship. I just felt something supernatural happen in me. And God did something in me. And he, as the tears came, I knew they weren't coming from me. I knew it was his spirit washing over me. And I'm just aware that so many people will feel that for you to do that is a sign of weakness or will look silly or will look... But I want to say when there is a supernatural move of God, when God is wanting to do something into you, you maybe you're broken. You know, when, it, when the, 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 the line came out, healed and forgiven. Like, no matter what this world tries to break me with, I am healed. I am healed and I am forgiven. It says, once I was broken, but look where my chains are now. It says that he loved my whole heart through. And when I was reading that, uh, the words as, and trying to see them through all the tears, I just felt God say to me, I have loved your whole heart through the process, Vicky, that you guys have been going through, you know, and, and still in some respects find ourselves in. But God spoke to me and he said, I have loved your whole heart through. Yeah. And that's a word for somebody today. God is saying to you, he has loved your whole heart through. You are not broken. You are healed. He has fixed that broken heart. He has fixed the, maybe the trauma that you've been through in your life. God wants you to know he has loved your whole heart through. And that's why your whole heart, it's a whole heart. It's a full thing because God deals in repairing brokenness. That's what he does. And he does not leave you broken. He does not leave you in a mess. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's what happens. He restores you. Anything the enemy has tried to rob from you, oh boy, you are in for a blessing. Because he's going to give you way beyond what the enemy ever tried to rob from you. But you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And when the tears come, they're okay. Yeah. And allow him. I remember at one moment in the worship, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is going on forever. <laughs> Not the worship. My tears, I'm like, I have got to stop in a minute. And then I was just like, felt God say, no, just Vicky, just let me do what I'm doing. Let, 
me do what I'm doing. That was just an incredible time of worship this morning. Let's stand up to our feet as we do this declaration together. Let's say it as we mean it. I know we don't normally stand. This is a bit like way out there, but we're going to stand and say it together. I am a child of God, so I am entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, belief, and be changed by his word. Amen. Amen. We are doing our relationship series at the moment, and I was really mindful with the term um, relationships. People can just think that's about dating and marriage and all of that. It's not. Life is made up of relationships. That can be business partners. It can be friendships in life. It can be husbands and wives. Maybe you're dating at the moment. Maybe you're engaged to be married. Maybe it's a sibling thing. Maybe it's college. Life is made up of relationships. And um, this, when we talked about the preaching calendar in our leaders meeting, it was um, the relationships rescue series was what we uh, originally called it. Um, because how do we navigate life with good relationships? You see, it's easy to feel that relationships are just too much like hard work. Do I get an amen? (laughs) But the reality is, one of God's greatest gifts to us is each other. Yeah? There was the cross, the greatest gift of all, changed eternity changed us all but God gave us each other in the garden of Eden he said to Adam it's not good for you to be alone it's not good for you to be alone so if you're in here today and you are feeling like oh our relationships are just too hard work like I've got to protect my heart I've got you know I just want you to know that God said it's not good for you to be alone and um you know if you look at the Powerful people in the Bible, the relationships and the connections they had. There was Moses and Aaron. There was Ruth and Naomi. (coughs) There was Elijah and Elisha. There was David and Jonathan. There was Mary and Joseph. Great things happened when people connected and formed a relationship. And together, hand in hand, they did something incredible for God that rewrote history. That today in 2019, coming to the close of 2019, like how has that even happened? But we're still talking about it. We still refer back to these people, schools up and down the country. No matter how much the enemy is trying to have his way to get God out of the schools, there are schools that are still talking about God. There are, st- <coughs> there are schools that are still telling stories of the Bible and the characters of the Bible and the friendships. And today what I uh, want to talk about is just share from my life some of the things about relationships. How do we have good relationships? You know, relationships impact the direction of our future. You can think, well, that's a bit deep, Vicky. That's a bit full on. Relationships, relationships impact the direction of our future. Maybe you're here today and you're just kind of thinking, well, I've just got friends, Vicky. Like, chill out. Just got friends. But the impact that those friends will have on the choices that you make will direct your future. The person that you marry will have an impact and change the direction of your future. See, relationships aren't just static. They are either growing you or decaying you. 
They're either growing you, thank you, Fat Mon. I think everybody else should say thank you. And I'm not going to be uh, coughing down the microphone, sorry. They're either growing you or they're decaying you. Relationships are a force in our life. And that's why when we do series like this in church, you could think a relationship series, really? But they are so vital because relationships impact the future of your life. And that's why we need to choose really carefully who we allow to walk into our world. Today, I want to just share some thoughts. (coughs) I'm so sorry about this cough. But I want to help to navigate how to choose godly relationships. How to choose wholesome relationships. How do we do that? Because when loneliness hits, how do do we navigate that? Because when loneliness hits, we can become desperate. And when we become desperate, we kind of will settle for anything. As long as it fills a void. The first thing you need to know today is the only thing that will fill the void in your life is Jesus. And maybe you say, well, I got Jesus, Vicky. But then I would say to you, are your eyes on Jesus? Because you can have Jesus. I have had many times in my life, I have been a Christian, I have been in ministry, and my eyes haven't truly been on him in an area of my life because I have navigated that area all by myself. And then secondly, how do we keep godly relationships how do we keep that in our lives yeah Yeah? because we are responsible for us and how we conduct relationships in our lives and what we allow into our lives I heard a saying the other day and it says this it's the folks we've met that are often part of our greatest regrets (laughs) has anybody got any regrets in this room and you're like yeah that's because of the folks I've met It's the folks we've met that are often part of our greatest regrets. Have a think about that. I've made choices in my life. I was going to say 44 years of them, but I wasn't really when I was a baby, was I? But I have made, so I don't know, 40 years of it. Choices in my life based on people. I had this friendship growing up, right? And it took me years, right? Years after this friendship was over to shake this off. I couldn't go and buy something, this sounds superficial, but it was really, really powerful, without thinking, what would that person think of what I bought? Relationships can run so deep that the finest and, and most simplest things in life can be navigated by them. This is why it is so important who we have in our lives. Emotions <coughs> can be affected by people. Right. Yeah? Ever been in a great place and then somebody walks up and sits with you and, uh, and then you're like, what happened there? And you end up leaving the place, not feeling stronger than when you came in, but feeling worse than when you came in. Yeah. But have you ever walked into a place and sat with somebody and felt stronger when you've left? Yeah. There are good relationships out there. They are a gift from God, but we need to keep focused and in with him. Our mental state can be affected by people. Very easily, our mental state can be... We can feel like we're really level, really level, really level, and then someone says something, and bang! We can feel all over the place. Our spiritual state, listen up. Our spiritual state can be affected by people that we're connected with. 
and in relationship with. It's the folk we've met that are often part of our greatest regrets. But I want us to leave today not having to have that truth in our life, but having to flip it and say, no, actually, it's the blessings I have because of the people that I have encountered and God has brought my way. Relationships are a gift from God. The impact people have in our lives is huge and we often come at that from a negative perspective. But I want to turn this around and say the impact people will have in your life and my life is huge. And if we pick the right ones, it's a positive one. Since me and Barry took over leading the church nearly seven years ago, the people that God has brought on our path has been incredible. The doors that God has opened for us to sit with, with people who have just sown into our life has been incredible. It has impacted us and affected us in a huge way but in a positive way. And your life can be transformed through the relationships that you have and the company that you keep. (coughs) Healthy connections bring life, bring wisdom, and bring comfort. They bring unity. Remembering relationships will either grow you or decay you. You see, when you enter into a relationship with somebody, I should have brought some scissors up. This is... When you enter a relationship or a friendship with somebody or a business partner, see what happens is you basically say to them, pull up a chair. Come and sit with me. You see, I want you to imagine life as a table. I know this isn't the best prop in the world, but (laughs) at one o'clock this morning, it's the best you've got, all right? I want you to imagine your life as a table. And when we open our lives up to people, what happens is we sit down. We kick back. We relax. When we sit down and say to people, pull up a chair into my life, we suddenly open ourselves up emotionally. We open ourselves up mentally. We open ourselves up spiritually. And when we are in a relationship, a friendship, a business set up, whatever it might be, and we sit down like this and we go, hey, pull up a chair. We suddenly open ourselves up and we drop our guard. This is why it is so important that we pick good relationships. And that is possible. Relationships don't just happen by accident. We have a choice who we allow into our world. Oh, my days, have I made some flipping clangers with this one. <laughs> like, on, if you've got hours on end and you want to go for coffee, I can tell you them all, but you are in for a long session, right? But in my latter years, that does make me sound like I'm 80. In my latter <laughs> years, with God's help and a, an intention within me, to have good people around me. My life is so blessed. My life is so blessed because suddenly what's happening is I'm kicking back and I'm relaxing and I'm opening myself up 
to people who are going to grow me and build me and love on me and speak words of wisdom into me and speak words of direction into me. They are a people of a like mind who are just focused on Jesus and want to build the kingdom and want to serve the Lord. And I'm telling you now, if you are struggling with relationships and friendships, I'm going to say to you now, how do you get better? <laughs> That's not great the way I've just put that, but how do you get better? Because there came a time in my life when I had to do that myself. There's three ways to thrive in your relational life. I want to say when you invite somebody to your table, they're going to bring you a feast. If you like me, you're like a good buffet. <laughs> but this feast can go one of two ways. They're going to bring you a feast of negativity or they're going to bring you a feast of positivity. Laurie, pull it up a chair. Come and sit at my table. Come on, Laurie. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to the table. You're very welcome. I see you've brought me a feast. I brought you a feast. This is, now, just like to say, these are out the cafe. And whatever Sophie's charging in there, 20% off if you come to me and Laurie later on. <laughs> We'll have mauled them by then, so you might want 30% off. But here's the thing. I've invited Laurie to sit at my table of life. This all looks very beautiful. When Laurie comes to sit at my table, he brings me a feast. He brings me a feast of who he is. He brings me a feast of the condition of his heart. He brings me a feast of the condition of his mind. He brings me a feast of his standards and his morals. Laurie brings a feast to me. Now this is a really nice kind of feast and I could actually sit and eat it but I won't. This is a really nice kind of feast. And friendships can look like this, relationships can look and you can just see somebody from the surface and you can think, hey they're really good. Maybe suddenly they have charmed you in some way. But what you don't know if you suddenly rush into something is what lurks beneath the surface. And you will only find that by actually watching and observing the way somebody lives. There's a passage of scripture here. Laurie, would you want to still sit at my table? Or would you like to get down and sit with your wife? There is a feast there. There is a feast. You do, whichever you want. Take a muffin with you as well, Laurie, if you want. I am now covered in icing on the cake. That was a great idea. I'm going to read a few verses out of the Bible, out of a story out of the Bible. And I've heard of this preached many times in different ways. I have never heard it preached on relationships, but this is just what I believe to bring today. <coughs> Three key things I want to share with you today of how to thrive in your relational life because it is possible, and it's all down to choices. You don't have to wait on somebody else to get a good relational life. You can make the choices. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38 to 41. Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets were meeting with him, he said to his servant, put on the large pot and cook stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and picked as many of its gourds 
as his garment could hold. When he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. First point in how to thrive in your relational life. If you've got notepads, note this down. Harvest well. Point number one, harvest well. Where do you harvest your relationships from? What field are you picking your harvest from? If you are wanting a certain outcome in your life, then you cannot go and pick from a, harv- from a field that contains poison. If you are wanting to grow spiritually in God, then you cannot go and pick your harvest from a nightclub. If you are wanting to grow in God, then you can't go and pick your harvest from somebody who isn't interested in God. If you are wanting to get married and you want to serve the Lord, you need to marry somebody who wants to serve the Lord. Actually, I don't need to preach this message because it's really straightforward. What is it that you want? Harvest well. Go to the field where that harvest will be and pick the harvest. God has a harvest of friendships and relationships for you and for me, but we harvest what we want. And if we get a friendship or a partner, and we aren't happy with it, and we're like, well, this isn't the direction I'm going in life. I would say, look, where did you harvest them from? Yeah. Where did you harvest from them, them from? Because this um, servant, he went out and he picked from the field, and he found a wild vine. He went for something wild. He went out to collect herbs, and then he went for the wild vine. And he took the gourds off it. And he kept taking the gourds off it. He didn't take one or two. Then he just kept going and it filling up and it was filling up and it was filling up as much as his clothing could carry. In that field, he went for the wild vine. And what he got wasn't good. And the damage that that wild vine was going to do was life-threatening. Harvest well. Where your harvest comes from will determine what feast they will bring to your life. Every single person will bring a feast to your life. This is why you need to harvest well. You need to look at the people. Where people are heading is a good indicator of where they're going to lead you. I have, in my years, I've grown up in the church, and this this has been my only ever church, by the way. Like, this is it. You don't need to move churches, people. You don't have to, like, go, oh, I think now, I have three-year itch, I might go and try another one. No, plant yourself in the house of God and you'll flourish. That was a side note, but... (laughs) Where people are heading is a good indicator as to where they're going to lead you. I have grown up in church and I've seen so many people decide they're going to marry somebody because they're going to get saved. I have seen heartache after heartache after heartache. I have seen people go and 
begin to live a certain way because they're going to save the lost. Jesus didn't compromise to save the lost. His morals didn't change to save the lost. You save the lost by staying close to Jesus and living the way he says to live. What are these people displaying? Before you invite them to your table to bring a feast for you to fill up on, what's the vision? How are they living their lives? What are they displaying in their lives? Where do they hang out? What are their outlooks on life? Do they speak life when they open their mouth? Do they ooze joy? I'm not meaning they're not going to have a bad day. But do they ooze joy? Do they choose joy? What fruit are they producing? Observe how they live. Don't be too quick to go. Pull up a chair. Observe how they live. Because when you observe how they live, you'll know what feast you're going to get at your table. Observe how they live. If they don't care about their own health, they're not going to care about yours. If you are in a health battle, if you are in something where you need to know, I've got to get fit, I've got to get myself sorted, then be careful who you spend your time with. Because if they're not bothered about binging and watching stuff on the telly you shouldn't be watching and all of that, they're not going to care for you when you say, this is something I want from my life. If they don't care about their faith and their salvation, if they don't hold their salvation so close because of the greatest gift it was, they're not going to respect your salvation. If they don't care about their finances and racking up debt and having the latest car because they don't need it, but it's just something that's going to make them look good. They're not going to understand when you need to watch your finances. If they don't mind lying, and if they don't mind hurting people, and they don't mind cheating people, then they're not going to mind doing it to you. Listen carefully. What are you hearing coming out of people's mouths? If someone's gossiping to you, Please don't fall into the trap of thinking you're in the in crowd because they want to speak to you about it because they will fast gossip about you. I remember years ago, we were in a situation where somebody kept telling us something um, about some people. And we must have been, I don't know, were the twins born then? They were maybe little, the twins. And uh, they kept uh, ringing up and talking to us about stuff. And these were people that we we were close to. And they would ring up and they would say, this, this, and this about this person. And you know what they said? And they, and it was going on, going on, and going on. And at the time, we fell into it. We really fell into it. And it was only a few years on, I had this moment where I suddenly realized all those things that person had told me, this other person had said, I had never once heard it for myself. I had made a decision about somebody based on what somebody else was telling me. And from that moment, I started to realize I need to watch what people, what comes out of people's mouths with me. 
If they're happy to gossip, they're not going to mind doing it about you. If they have poor standards and morals, then they will expect you to have similar ones to them. And that will become your feast because that is what they are going to, they have prepared to place in your life for you to feast on. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So it doesn't say walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools becomes a fool. It says suffers harm. When the harvest isn't right, you will suffer harm. I will suffer harm. Relationships, they need rules. They need non-negotiables. They need standards. So that when you go to invite somebody up to your table to pull up a chair, actually, what's happening is you've already worked it out. You're not judging them. You're just making a good judgment call. Okay? So before you invite them up to your table... You've already worked out that, okay, they're going to fit in with my standards. They're going to fit in with where I'm at and where I'm going. This just complements what God has got for me. This is where I'm supposed to be. And anybody who doesn't fit in with your non-negotiables and your standards, I would say should they be in your world. If you go home today and you work out, what are my non-negotiables in my life? And if somebody doesn't measure up to that, don't give them a seat at your table. Don't give them a seat at your table. Harvest well. Remember, whatever they bring, you will feast on. Number two, raise the alarm. The stew was poured out for the men, so he'd brought in the herbs, the wild vine, gourds, cutting it all up, puts it in the stew. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, They cried out, man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. If someone at your table serves up something that you know isn't right, raise the alarm as fast as you can. This verse says this, that I've just read, it says, as they began to eat the first signs of something being wrong they cried out they raised the alarm alarm. they went death in the pot there is death in the pot and they couldn't eat any longer they couldn't take from that pot any longer they couldn't take from the feast because they knew there was something in the pot that should not be there they didn't know what it was they just knew it shouldn't be there They hadn't prepared it. The feast had been brought to them. One spoonful and they knew instantly something not right. So they didn't then have a couple more bites. I haven't had any breakfast, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And I've cried a lot of tears on that front row. (laughs) Kind of words of an appetite. One more spoonful could have killed them. If I came to your house later and I brought you a stew and I said to you, it's a little bit of arsenic in it, but you're going to be all right. (laughs) Would you just go, oh, I'll be all right. God, these cookies are hard. 
50% off. <laughs> we'll just have a little bit more because it won't really matter. And if I don't eat it, Vicky's going to be upset because she's made it for me. She's brought it round. So just have a little bit more. It's a little bit more, I won't make it. Would you really? I don't think so. How many times will we not raise the alarm? Because we're so scared of upsetting somebody else. But we'll eat death on ourselves. I have to have a bit of water now. It's like lunch. Pull up a seat. Being intentional on your non-negotiables. Having a plan. I watched Life Group TV last night and actually Fatman brought up something that Barry says on it and, um, and he was saying, don't make a decision in the moment of what you're going to do. You've got to have a plan beforehand. Yeah. You go away, you plan your non-negotiables for your relationships within your family, your relationships with friendship, your marriage, your, your workplace, your, your uh, I don't know, college, school, whatever it is. If you have your non-negotiables in place, then you will know in an instant when there is something wrong with the feast. And when you know there is something wrong with the feast, raise the alarm with everything you've got. And you go, there's death in the pot. There is death in the pot. This does not fit in with my standards. This does not fit in with my morals. And therefore, I can't have this feast on my table any longer. Maybe it's that you need to have a conversation. Maybe you need to point out to the person and say to them, hey, listen, that that you're doing, I don't believe that that's the best thing for your life. I've made a choice with mine. And, and we, can, we can't walk together while there's death in the pot. Be intentional about your own life and where you're heading. There's death in the pot. Some translations of the Bible says there's poison in the pot. But just think about it. You wouldn't take... One more bite of a cookie that had rat poison in it. The minute you knew, you'd go, "Mm -hmm, not taking anymore. Raise the alarm. Because the thing is, you can harvest well, and people can go south fast. You might have somebody in your world at the moment, and you're thinking, but that's how they started out because they were really good at high but bad judge of character you know some people will just go off but be so intentional about your life and the call of God on your life and what God has for you that if somebody does go south that you will still stick to your non-negotiables and stick to the plan that God's got for you last one third one <coughs> deal with it deal with it don't just sit on it and think oh it'll go away itself deal with it in verse 41, it says, Elisha said, so after they shouted, there is death in the pot. I cannot eat anymore. There is death in the pot. I mean, the servant probably was a little bit offended. He'd work really hard on that stew. There's death in the pot. Elisha said, get some flour. He got the flour and he put it in the pot and said, serve it to the people. And there was nothing harmful in the pot after that. Elisha dealt with the matter in hand. You see, there was a famine in the land. These prophets that he was teaching, they were hungry. 
They were hungry. They needed something. So Elisha didn't say, chuck the, chuck, just chuck the stew, chuck the stew out. We'll all starve to death. There is a feast of relationships for you that God has got for you. But they've got to be right. They've got to be right, whatever's at your table. Deal with it head on and remove it from the table. However that looks, remove it from the table. Self-care. We will allow ourselves to be run down, to be taken advantage of, to have our mental health messed with, to have our emotional health messed with, because we will not just shout, there's death in the pot, and actually, I'm removing it from the table. I'm removing it from the table. And we won't do that because we're more bothered about upsetting people and what they may think of us. If we do that, But I would sooner sit at a table where there is no death in the pot than allow myself to be crushed and allow myself to be affected spiritually and allow my future to be determined by somebody who is quite happy to bring death in the pot because that's how they live and that's what they enjoy and they breed from gossip and they breed from negativity and they breed from, from, from bad morals and they breed from not following the word of God and where would you end up? Yeah. Self-care. Human nature can feel like if there's somebody who needs our help and hear what I'm saying, I'm not meaning we shouldn't help people. But human nature can make us feel like we need to help everybody. And if somebody's struggling, that they need to be in our world. Be really careful who you invite into your world. Make sure that those who are struggling, that God has brought them along your path for you to build them up. Rather than you feeling you should. Because for each of us, there are people in our lives that are for seasons, there are people who have been involved in my life and built me up. And then for my next season, God's brought somebody else along. But don't go giving yourself to negative situations because you feel it's the right thing to do. God will empower you to, but you need to know that that's what you are in it for because he's asked you to be there. Don't just go inviting stuff to your table. Observe. Know God's voice. I believe there are some people in here today And you are caring for somebody. And in turn, they're poisoning you. And you are dying a slow death. It is draining your strength. It is stealing your joy. And you are caring for this person because you can see they're in a difficult situation. And that's a good thing to do. But you you need to know it's the right thing to do that God wants you to be so heavenly involved in their world because it is zapping your joy, it is zapping your strength and you are feeling drained. And God is saying today, let go. Because we can stand in the way of what God is wanting to do with that person. God is saying, step aside and let me get to them. 
step aside and let me get to them. I would ask you the question today in closing, who is sat at your table? Have a think of your life at the moment. Who is sat at your table? Who have you said, pull up a chair? And then ask yourself this question, who should be sat at your table? Who should be sat at your table? Are the people at your table and you're like, they shouldn't be there. They are not in line with where I'm heading in life. As hard as it is, I have to admit it, they shouldn't be. Are the people that you know should be at the table and they're not there? Do you raise the alarm easily enough? And are you confident at dealing with the matter in hand? You need to be intentional about relationships because they will determine your future and where you're heading and God did not design you to be alone. So harvest well, harvest well, and you will reap a blessing. Amen.